0: buttercups welcome to main age daydream with me your host brian mcwilliams i apologize for if you're watching the video the schmutz on the back of the bed there i am uh, i'm packing for a trip to hawaii a, uh, a first trip to hawaii actually and i can't remember if i share this or not we were supposed to go to uh the exact spot that was burned of course where we now know the government of hawaii had barricaded roads stopping people from escaping to quote spike cohen Only those who did not comply and disobeyed government survived, uh, to where the government still, to the best of my knowledge, has not released how many children, the total number of dead, of course, was blamed on climate change. I did a whole episode on climate change being to blame for what happened there in a roundabout way because the people that were responsible for the electricity, for maintaining the power lines in Hawaii, the electric company, focused on green initiatives instead of fixing and maintaining their existing infrastructure. Leading to the deaths of untold hundreds. So we're now going to a different part of Hawaii. We're going to Kauai and uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing a, a patron there who I am uh, very fond of. I won't, I won't say his name online. I'm not sure if he wants it or not, but maybe I'll try to meet up with him on there. Regardless, I've got a lot of crap here. Baby clothes laid out that we're going to be packing uh, very soon here. So I fly early in the morning. So apologies for the background. But we are here. And today I want to talk about a few different topics. Talking about how if you're watching a video, maybe you're watching it on YouTube. Yes, we're still streaming to YouTube despite being shadow banned. The first thing I do want to talk about is Russell Brand, his situation there, and uh, a shocking deplatforming that happened. But before I get into that, I want to remind you guys, if you want to get our bonus shows, we're going to be recording next Wednesday... The new Secrets, Lies, and Cover-Up show talking about the report from Iron Mountain, which is where all this global warming nonsense started. So make sure to subscribe to that. If you want my good morning fuckhead rants, those are behind the paywall. And, of course, Degenerate Gamblers, if you're the gambling type and you want to hear some funny stories, you can join. And uh, we do that show weekly now, although I will be in Hawaii. Not sure if I'll make Degenerate Gamblers this week or not. I'm going to try to, though. Depends on the time distance or time uh, zone change. So, anyway, go to patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty or lions of liberty.locals. Thank you. Please support the show. Uh, if nothing else, please share the show. Okay. So, let's jump into it. So, Russell Brand, he has become one of similar to a Joe Rogan. And I think his he has something like 600,000 people that watch his show weekly. Now, I don't know if those numbers are exact. I don't know if that's subscribers versus watchers versus who knows with YouTube and you know, and Rumble combined, but he has a very large following on YouTube and Rumble. Now, often what brand would do, which I'm sure pisses YouTube off, and we'll get to how this is relevant. I'm sure what he does pisses them off in regards to how he starts the show on YouTube. We'll talk about a couple topics and then tell people specifically go to Rumble. Why? Because... He knows that YouTube will censor his content if he talks about vaccines, if he talks about uh, elections, if he talks about any number of the mandated, must-be-accepted narratives that have been passed down, uh, agreed upon by the global elite, agreed upon by the tech companies, the mainstream media companies, and the governments. And these are the topics that are now verboten to talk about. So he ports over to Rumble. Now, Russell Brand has just been recused of rapes uh one rape and three sexual assaults that were uh non-consensual by four women and these go back somewhere between the period of 2006 to i think 2009 something like that maybe 2011 when brand was very young and uh leaned into being a promiscuous ragamuffin right Drunk and promiscuous ragamuffin. Now, I'm not defending being drunk and a promiscuous ragamuffin. I'm not condemning that either. And I don't know, nor do any of us know, if these allegations are true or not. But these four women came out of nowhere and are alleging this. It seems very interesting timing-wise considering That he is becoming a Joe Rogan-like figure that is having people on that are not accepted on the mainstream media platforms, that are derided and hated by the government, by the elites, by the tech companies. And yet, Russell Brand is hosting to talk about any number of myriad issues, including big pharma, including the military industrial complex, including aliens, including alternative health methods. He goes here, there, and everywhere. But he is very consistent and coming around to a very libertarian point of view in a lot of ways, TBD on the the uh, climate change issue and uh, and that sort of thing, which he's not great on. but he is violating the norms of mainstream media and acceptable topics and going against very powerful entities in doing so. so, you have to wonder when these allegations come out from girls, including one that's just absurd, where a girl is saying that a taxi driver, she recalls this distinctly. She's a 16 year old, which I guess is legal age in England. And she said that Brand would send a taxi to pick her up at her school and take her to his apartment where they would have uh, sex. And this taxi driver apparently had said, oh, don't don't touch going in there, missy. I know I've got a daughter your age. And if you go in there, all terrible things happen to you youngins. Now, I don't know if these allegations are true, but when I read that, my bullshit a meter started flashing and the alarms and sirens started going off in my head because it's such an absurdly ridiculous story. To remember, if this taxi driver had regularly been ferrying 16-year-olds to Russell Brand's house and uh, had his own daughter, he didn't say anything. He didn't, you know, nobody spoke up. There's some Scottish comedian asshole who now the mainstream media is sucking his schlong about. I don't know what they call a, a schlong in Scottish. A schlongarger, And, uh, they're, they're you know, they're slobbing his Loch Ness Monster. Because this guy said, well, you know what? I I am speaking out. Okay. Failed comedian who now has a perfect opportunity to jump in and become a figure in this movement, this, this latest Me Too movement. You're not brave. You would have been brave if you did something while you were in the comedy scene 10 years ago. You're a fucking coward if this is true. But it's very conspicuous to see how these things all of a sudden are coming out 10, 15, you know, years later. When... Russell Brand's been in the media. Russell Brand is a major movie star, or at least was until he started violating these norms. He was in, you know, Minions and uh, Get Me to the Greek and God knows. He does voiceovers constantly. He was in movies. He was a beloved character. Why now? One has to ask that question, don't we? We have to ask why now and who benefits? because I'm sure that it's too late for these girls to get any sort of compensation. And arguably, uh, at least in three of the cases, they were in consensual relationships at the time. So why now? Oh, that's right. Because he is crossing all of these powers that be. Now, I had mentioned YouTube earlier. Just today, news came out that YouTube has removed all of Russell Brand's feeds. That means that all the money he was making from YouTube, which is not insubstantial, right? Because if you got 600,000 people tuning into each show, you're getting a pretty decent cut from YouTube. So what a convenient excuse for YouTube to pull all your content. Why? Was he arrested? Was he uh, found guilty in a court of law? No. A story came out in a left wing publication that doesn't like Russell Brand with allegations from 15 years ago. YouTube says that that is justification for them to pull all of his content down and cut him. Well, he cut a a fairly decent chunk of his income. Now, Russell Brand's a rich man, he's got residuals coming in. He doesn't need that money necessarily, but I'm sure it's nice. The point isn't the money so much as. What the tech companies are doing? This, inst- I mean, it, blatantly obvious decision to pull his content at this mere provocation because he is a threat. Because he goes to Rumble to avoid YouTube's existing censorship laws, so they just create new ones in order to pull his content. Who else is doing this? Oh, the BBC. So talk about you know again residuals. The BBC decides to pull his content down because he is somehow uh, unpalatable due to these recent allegations from 15 years ago. You can see saying it out loud sounds ridiculous because it is ridiculous. So it's pretty obvious that the playbook here is being followed. And while we don't know if the allegations are true, just the mere The mere thought that this is possible, that you can simply be accused of something and be deplatformed routinely from mainstream media and alternative media and online media for somebody coming forward and saying, well, I think they, I remember this thing happened. I didn't tell anybody about it back in the day, but you know what? It happened. I mean, would fucking Brett Kavanaugh have lost his social media platform? I mean, is Harvard going to revoke his law degree because of an allegation that is unproven? Because I wouldn't be surprised if that's next, right? What's to stop them? It's insane. But these people keep overplaying their hands. And there's so many, as Russell Brand calls them, awakening wonders out there that are wise to this horse shit. Now, Brand, of course, denies the allegations. He's saying that this is completely ridiculous. He says, you know, I was young and crazy then. You know, I, I, if I did anything inappropriate, I apologize. But I flat out reject this concept that I had raped somebody um, and that, you know, that he had forced himself in these going, okay, we don't know if it's true or not, but regardless, the way this has come together is highly suspicious. As I said, it sets off every possible alarm bell and it is a blatantly obvious playbook here. And the fact that these people think that somehow people aren't going to put the puzzle pieces together here to paint this very clear picture here is just beyond me. It's like they can't come up with the next best thing. I think maybe we've hit that point of saturation with the media, with the mainstream, with the government tie-ins, with social and tech. I think we've hit that point where they don't know what else to do. So the only option they have is authoritarianism. So there has to be decentralized options. That's really where it comes down to. Okay, so let's move on to something else. That was the kickoff here with Russell Brand. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about, guys, is uh, we'll tie it into, I guess, a theme here in that we're talking about media, we're talking about Russell Brand, we're talking about what what content people imbibe. Now, the Wonder Years reboot is adios, goodbye, cut, it has been killed off. If you're not familiar with it, the original, of course, was a very beloved series with Fred Savage in it. It ran for, I think, something like five, six years. Uh, if you grew up in my time period, right? I'm going to turn 44 this year. I know you're shocked, but it looks so good. I'm going to turn 44 this year. You grew up with the theme song, you know, lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. And and uh, the, you know, the old video in the 70s, I grew up, I was born in 79. The Wonder Years was very much a part of my, upbringing. It was on when I got home from school. I'd watch with my parents sometimes. It, had, it, had, it was very, I guess it was part of nostalgia, but also very relatable because it was about kids and being a child. And back then, by the way, and this is probably part of the reason why the new one failed in addition to the other reason I'm going to give you, people actually did go outside. When I was a kid, you know, we we went outside, we bicycled around, we got lost. We didn't have cell phones. When it got dark, you'd bike home. There was a lot more trust. It was a, a much more of a trust based society than it is today. And ironically, it was less safe. The mainstream media doesn't want to tell you that, but it was much more dangerous in the seventies. People, maybe not if you're a white cyclist and there's black teenagers around, or if you're black in a Walmart running out other black people, which we'll get to in a minute but it was overall a much safer society, or I'm sorry, much more dangerous society in the 70s. There were more murders. There were more gun deaths. There were more, uh, well, the family units were in, were more far more intact, but it was there were more kidnappings. There were everything. There was more everything. We're far safer now. And yet our children don't go out and play anywhere near as much. They sit at home and get fat eating Cheetos and watching television and play video games. But I digress. So the Wonder Years was yeah, very important. They rebooted it. But of course, because of where we are as a society, they made it all black. Now, instantly, if you do that, and I said this at the time it came out, I can't remember if I talked about it on the show or not, instantly when you do that, number one, regardless of whether or not you're racist or not racist, I am a, I am a non-racist, right, uh, Ibram X. Kendi style. And I'll talk about, <laughs> I guess I'll be funny to share with Ibram X. Kendi too. I'm a non-racist, you know. But what I saw, it's an all-black version of The Wonder Years. My base gut instinct is, ah, fuck off. Because it's pandering. Because it's insulting. It's, it is a blatant grab for what they think is social relevance. But what ends up happening? Well, number one, the white people that love the original Wonder Years go, ah, fuck off. That's stupid. I, I'm annoyed that you did it. I'm not even going to give it a chance, which is what I did. Didn't even give it a chance. Don't care. Pisses me off that they that they feel that this is what they have to do now. It's I'm not going to be patronized. Then you've got Black America, which is looking at this '70s version, which is kind, of like, kind of like a Cosby-ish, I think, version of '70s Black America, which you know is good, a better a better situation than Black America is in today. But they look at it, and they go, Ah, oh, this is number one, pandering. I'm being patronized. Number two, it's a reboot of a white show. Why do I, as a black person, want to watch a reboot of a white show? How about you write some new shit? And I've said this over and over again with these race-swapped reboots. If you're black, just like your you like, fuck off. We don't want to watch this crap. Give me something new. Give me something original. Black people can have original stories too. Where are the good black writers that are coming up with these concepts or the white writers for that matter to come up with a concept that'll appeal to black America? And frankly, not just black America. Because that's the mistake these people make too. They cater to black America. I'm sorry, black America is 30% of the population. That's like I was mocking a Hollywood Reporter article talking about it had a Native American woman in there whining how there's not enough Native American content. I'm sorry, but that's not a huge portion of the population. It ain't the way history worked out, unfortunately, for the Native Americans. Why would you create content for that niche if you're a major network trying to appeal to a a multi-million audience? It doesn't make any fundamental sense. That's what they continuously do, which is why you're seeing cancellation after cancellation. So you've got Black America going, oh, okay, you're pandering to us. But also on another level, the, where black culture is right now, especially with the younger generation, is not syncing up. They don't want to watch that content. It doesn't appeal to them, which is another reason it got canceled. Now, this is probably something that's going to get me in trouble, but I, you know, it has to be said, there is something right now. With the, lady, the younger generation of black culture specifically, and I'm not saying this is all black culture and all, you know, obviously black people are a myriad, different uh, different cultures, different levels of income, et cetera. And yes, there's many reasons how we ended up here, including the government and the drug war and over-policing and the creation of ghettos, which Democratic Party is to blame for, welfare state, creation of ghettos, both Democratic Party, the drug war, primarily GOP, but they're both cheerleaders for that. Of course, Ronald Reagan putting crack in the ghettos. Good job, Ronnie. There's a lot of reasons that the black family units are broken up, the prison industrial complex of course majorly to blame for that. But you also have as Thomas Sowell said a, a real issue with what has become the defining black culture, which is this, you know, as as Sowell said, taken from this old, you know, more southern hillbilly-ish celtic and I'm Irish Scottish guys, celtic origins of an honor society, uh, a, a lack of Interest in really, you know, higher education, a higher interest in, you know, fun over profit. And as I say, the honor society, where a small provocation creates a very large and violent response. You pair that with mainstream media and government by the fucking way telling you that you're a victim that whitey's the devil and that the white man is to blame for everything in society. And you've got yourself a real fucked up culture that feels that it is owed something that it is denied the ability to succeed, which is fundamentally untrue in, I would say almost every case. If you can remove government from there, you remove every barrier to black society coming up and, and regaining its status. Cause as I've cited many times in the forties, black, Families had a higher rate of coherency, a higher social mobility than white people. What happened? Government fucking happened, everybody. Government happened. Welfare happened. Redlining happened. Creation of ghettos happened. All for the benefit of, quote unquote, the benefit of black people. But it ended up destroying them. Okay. So now you have a culture that is this honor-based society where it's very quick to violence, very quick to offense, very quick to dismiss any criticism coming from outside of that culture. Yet mainstream media doesn't criticize. And in fact, if you remember from the abonics movement, you'll remember during COVID, they refused the school districts and I think New York City refused to give anybody a detention, a demerit, knock their grades down. If they did, if they didn't show up to class, if they missed tests, no penalties. Is that not disincentivizing education and the betterment of that exact culture? If you're pandering to the culture by saying, you don't have to do anything, we're just going to keep taking care of you, we're going to give you money, don't worry, you are fucking them over. You pair that with the mainstream media and telling them they're these victims, you have nobody from the, the major parties willing to step up and say, this is fucked let's fix it nor internally from the black community. The leaders of the black community are not saying boo about how fucked up this shit is where you have Chicago, where people are shooting each other to death every goddamn weekend, where you have videos on the internet of black people going through in every major city, blue city that is ransacking stores regularly where you have black teens on video every weekend, beating the shit either out of white people or each other. The video that just came out of, I think, a Walmart of a massive brawl is the latest one. And then you've got these two sick teenagers who steal a car in Vegas and just run a white guy down who's on a bicycle with no remorse, laughing about it, and share it on social media. This is a broken culture, and it is the fault of a destroyed and ruinous society. And that's where we're at. This isn't all on black people. Okay. I'm not saying that in any way. As I told you, there's a myriad of reasons that things ended up where they're at, but we as a society are complicit and where we're at right now, pitting races against each other, constantly telling people, well, judgment by the color of their skin. If that guy was a black dude on the side of the road on that cycle, I doubt they would have run him down. That is the fault of mainstream media. That is the fault of social media. That is the fault of where our politicians have fucking put us, where the mainstream media has put us, with their emphasis on race over everything else. Race over culture, race over morality, race over everything. These people are basically fucking Hitler, right? Race uber alles. That's where we're at. It is a broken culture, and it's the fault of our society. We have let the next generation down parents have let the next generation down in the case of black America we know the stats on black families how they have been destroyed I have I will never stop talking about this fact that is the key to success that's the key to raising good children that that are able to get jobs that are able to get education they're able to succeed having two parents in a fucking household the government is mostly to blame for that problem but at the same time We as a broader society need to get the fuck away from social media. We need to stop focusing on divisive issues. And we cannot permit our politicians to get away with this shit anymore. We cannot permit the Democratic Party to make everything about race. We cannot permit mainstream media to only cover one side of the story. We cannot permit academia to teach children in the classroom to hate each other. The society has to be fucking Fixed, or we are going to go off the cliff and we're we're already on the precipice, everybody. I'm telling you right now. Now, on the bright side, I am seeing change in the way people are thinking about this. People are getting outraged. Social media, as evil as it is, enabled this clip of these two hideous monsters who ran this man down to go viral. I'm sure they'll get caught. The outrage is getting to a place where I think it's finally turning and it's being aimed in the right direction. And I feel that with the Libertarian Party as well. You can feel the growth. I'm watching the response. I'm online. I'm watching the response with media. I'm watching where we're at. Things are getting better politically for us. People are getting a little bit more woken up to what's happening. But as of right now, we are a fractured and broken society. And it's up to everybody watching this, everybody that's listening everybody in the range of my voice to stop, think about how you interact, think about how you raise your children, think about what you imbibe and what you put out into the world and try to fix it. Don't be part of the problem, please. Sorry to get on my soapbox there, but I just, I mean, I I got two young daughters here. I don't feel like having them being dead. (laughs) I don't feel like having them Told that they're the evil of society. I'd like them to have black friends. We do have, you know, she does have black friends, my older daughter. We have black friends. I got plenty of black friends, but I'd like it to stay that way, you know, and I do. And it's a concern to me. It's a concern to me that media, the government, and academia uh, is going to try to turn my daughter and black, you know, black children against each other. I'm already planning on running for, you know, for the school board. Step one, I'm in there. It's just too much divisiveness, too much hate. Okay, moving on. So while we're on the topic of race, Ibram X. Kendi, uh, noted racist joke, fuckball joke. Ibram X. Kendi and his Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Research got $10 million from Jack Dorsey notable jack dorsey who i saw a hilarious video of jack dorsey by the way jack dorsey just deleted his own blue sky account right this is the thing he created this open source twitter basically uh he deleted his own account <laughs> and somebody posted a video i'm not gonna share it here a video of him you know bearded up all ripped by the fire just slapping, <laughs> slapping himself with the balls over and over again so you know he's doing great but before he became a ball slapping lunatic He gave $10 million to Ibrahim X. Kendi, um, who I can't describe my hatred for him. Both Dorsey, Dorsey's come around, and and Kendi. And then we find out that Kendi's anti-racist center, within three years of receiving this $10 million, which is not an insubstantial amount of money, especially for a nested center in Boston University, who also has plenty of money, very fucking left-wing city, is laying off staff. So they are so incompetent They're, and, and which is, by the way, a, a big white pill. Like, don't get me wrong. Big white pill. They're so incompetent at managing finances, managing people, and staying relevant that they have to lay off staff. Now, why is that a white pill? Because it shows you, as I said, this shit's turning, right? The, the generation that is fighting in the Walmarts and running down cyclists and beating people up on viral videos and punching white girls in the face as we see, again, countless times in on social media, that generation is broken. That doesn't mean they can't be saved. It doesn't mean we can't put the pieces together. And as we're seeing here with Kendi laying off staff, that message of racial hatred, no matter how he might want to frame it or paint it up and put lipstick on that fucking pig, that message isn't resonating anymore in America. And that is fantastic. All right. What else do I want to talk about here? Um, I lost my email. Yeah. Da, 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 da. There it is. Oh, one more thing. Um, so, two more things. One, I want to talk about Fetterman and the Senate changing. <laughs> Changing the, the rules of dress for Fetterman. Uh, but before I do that, I was asked by Dennis Pratt, uh, who runs Porkfest. I had responded to a Toad from Tower Gang, uh, who's a, a friend of the show and a longtime supporter of the show back way back when. I'd responded to him because they're talking about COVID and how these people... Certain people will never admit that they're wrong. Now, the political class, of course, is among these. They will never admit their own government cannot admit they're wrong. But there's also people out there that went along with covid restrictions and lockdowns and reported their neighbors and called people when there were parties and wore masks and wouldn't let you go in places and shamed you in the public park. If you're kidding, have a mask on, even though you're fucking outside. Saying, why will these people not come around. The evidence is very clear. And I saw some imbecile at lunch today sitting in an Indian restaurant wearing an N95 mask. And I tweeted out the N95 mask is the dunce cap of our time. Of course, hundred percent accurate statement. Now my theory, and I've talked about this in the show before, but I'll put it here so I can share the link. And Dennis had asked specifically that I do this. I call it the bad people theory and it involves COVID. And what it is, is that if you went along with these, these measures, if you were pro-lockdown, if you were pro-mask, if you were in the camp that cheered on the government and wanted people to lose their jobs and be deplatformed and social media to censor anybody who questioned the government narrative about COVID and you had to get vaccinated to come over to their house and, and you, you know, to see grandma. And if you didn't, fuck you and, you know, piss off for Thanksgiving, eat in the yard. These people are responsible for atrocities. They're responsible for you not being able to see your child be born. They're responsible for people dying of cancer who didn't go to the hospital. They're responsible for you not being able to bury a loved one. They are responsible for businesses shutting down a third of businesses. They're responsible for the inflation we see happening. They're responsible for small businesses closing and Amazon and Target exploding. They're responsible for the education system completely breaking down and people being essentially taught pretend lessons from home, wherein the F-rate literally... The failure rate shot up to 50%, creating an environment wherein the United, uh, I'm sorry, the Los Angeles United School District got rid of F grades. Now it's pass-fail. Why? To give themselves an out, because they're pathetic. And then the fucks went on strike, because they deserve more money. So these people look at the results, and they cannot accept the results. They can't accept the COVID narrative has broken down. They can't accept that they were wrong. Why? because they committed atrocities that would make them bad people and if we know one thing about ultra left progressives is that despite outcomes despite the atrocities committed in the name of progress These people have to view themselves as saints. That is at the core of their being to say, I'm a progressive. I believe in helping people. I believe in humanity and love. And I have a stupid ass sign in the front of my yard to prove it. These assholes can never admit that they are the bad guys. Thus, they can never admit that COVID was a sham. They can never admit that masks don't work. They can never admit that the vaccines don't work. They can never admit that the lockdowns did nothing but cause human misery. That would make them bad people. That's where we're at. And that's why there's a certain portion of the population that will never, ever come around. Oh, thank you, Mike, watching live. I am. Yes, I am fired up today. I got, I got, I got travel energy. I've been stressed out, letting it all, letting it out, let my freak flag fly. If you want to hear me later today, by the way, um, if you're watching live, I uh, this is also on podcast. I'm on Chris Smith's show over TNT Radio. I'll be on tonight, Tuesday night at uh, 920 Pacific. A little late for you, East Coasters, but some of you guys are up uh, rocking. And uh, you can listen to the podcast that later, too. Of course, this podcast is that Wednesday. Um, all right, last thing, guys. Fetterman. Fetterman fucking slob, the slob chunk, the sloth from Goonies slob chunk is now, he refuses to follow the accepted decorum on the Senate floor, which is suit and tie, right? Or at least I'd say suit and nice shirt slacks. Business casual at worst, but I think that most senators still wear the suit and the tie and go pretty much business formal. It has been the accepted wear and Well, we've now been reminded by the Democratic press that there is no formally accepted attire rule. There's no hard rule that you have to dress up on the Senate floor. It has been the de facto decorum since the initiation of the chamber. And uh, the sergeant at arms, I'm not sure who the sergeant at arms is at the moment. I don't really care. Apparently is responsible for enforcing a dress code. Similar to going into a fine restaurant where they require you to wear a suit jacket The maitre d' would be the sergeant-at-arms required to enforce it. So the Democrats, because of sloth, slob chunk, John Fetterman, has now abandoned the rule wherein you are required to wear at least some sort of formal attire so you don't look like a schlub off the street. And, of course, John Fetterman whirls in wearing, uh, I don't know, button-down shirts and cargo pants with his teeny, tiny, skinny little weirdo legs and his neck goiter. And his hoodie. Of course, he wears a hoodie to cover up the neckwear. The fact that you've got a Democratic leadership that is willing to change the rules of decorum to suit one man who looks like a slob, speaks like an idiot, and is simply in place literally because Donald Trump backed Dr. Oz, (laughs) That they would change the requirements for the Senate floor rather than telling him, get a fucking suit on, you dickhead, shows you just how pathetic things have gotten, how weak. And uh, I just, honestly, I tweeted something out and I think this is fairly prescient. The Democratic Party's slogan in every way, shape, and form is a race to the bottom. You think about everything that they've done, and it's not just Fetterman. Fetterman is a perfect example of the philosophy of the democratic party, because instead of raising somebody up and demanding somebody better themselves achieve, you know, uh, be better than you are, they will instead come down to your level, the race to the bottom. So they decide to come down to Fetterman's level. And I was joking on Twitter, it's, at this point, just change the rules so that John Fetterman can just yell his fucking vote while he's taking a shit from the bathroom stall. Just yell at that old, I vote for the measure. Then you, just, you, know, you hear toilet paper rolling, Frank Drubbin style. And by the way, a, se- a seven-year-old GOP Senate member, some chick, Seventy-year-old chick, because you know our geriatric elites, as Angela McCardle has coined a phrase, which is caught on, uh, is going to wear a bikini on the Senate floor. And I re- I applaud that. It's a terrible outcome for everybody involved, and I love it. But the race to the bottom, right? You think about these Democrats. So the race to the bottom for Fetterman. Instead of asking that he better themselves, they'll come down to his level. Let's all be slob chunks. They race to the bottom for education. Instead of asking people to be better, for schools to raise the standards. They instead lower the standards. They lower the academic standards. They lower the testing standards and get rid of testing so they can't be held accountable. As I mentioned earlier, they remove any penalties for failing tests, for coming in late, for truancy, for starting fights. That was another thing that they said. They no longer would suspend kids. So let's bring it down to your level. Same thing when we talk about economics. Okay. Well, you know what? Instead of saying you should have to work and get a job, go there. Well, we're just going to give you more money not to work. Right, let's bring it down to your level. Literally everything the Democrats do is designed to be lowest common denominator, a race to the bottom. And they'll say, well, this is an an effort to help people climb up. But as we've seen through the evidence of every Democratic program, um, there's no raising people up. The people that are raised up are the exception to the rule. The rule is that these people stay mired in their socioeconomic state. It's on them, as you see with immigrants, you know, it, this is often brought up with black culture. If, if it was simply that black people are the victims, that racism is an issue in America, which it's not, uh, why do people from Somalia and Nigeria and other parts of Africa that are immigrants have a higher income than white people per capita? Why do Asians? Why do Indians? Why do actually uh, many Hispanics actually have higher incomes than white people after, you know, like a generation? Because they come in as immigrants and then the Democrats are like, well, we have all these people, you know, they, they're so poor. They well, no, you're coming in, you have to accrue skills and then you work your way up. And that's how, that's how these things work. But no, they want to remove all the barriers there. They want to come lowest common denominator. They want to instantly give these people college tuition on the taxpayers' backs, which is what they have in California. It's really sickening. Nothing about this is for the betterment of these people or America. Everything about this is to grow the voter base for the Democrats, keep them in power and to expand the power and scope of government. And every time the power and scope of government expands, it is to the detriment of every single person in this country. So there you go. I think it's probably an appropriate place to end the show, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Of course, I am Brian McWilliams. You can please support us by sharing the show. Please subscribe on the, uh, the podcast, you can subscribe to the Lions of Liberty Network. That gives you my show, John's show. Also, the Meme Wars show, which we do Fridays. I will not be on Meme Wars this week, but I think John will probably do something with somebody. Um, but subscribe. You can get all three of those shows. You can also subscribe to the solo feeds, Mean Age Daydream, or Finding Freedom. And, um, of course, if you want to support the show, we'd love to have you on. We've got multiple levels, including Mufasa. Uh, we were supposed to have a Mufasa call last night, which had to get moved. But we jump on a Zoom. Just shoot the shit with you guys. Talk about politics of the day for a nice hour a month. And, uh, of course, you can produce a show. If uh, you want to do that, you can choose a topic. We've got Matt McKinley. who's going to be joining us on a show very shortly uh, because he is on the level to produce a show. Of course, Matt McKinley from the Bernard Daily Podcast. Fantastic. And uh, that's it. Thanks. From me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty Network and from mean Age Daydream, keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.